You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Be totally honest with me. Do you think I'm a good dancer at a, at a dance club or not? No, yes or no? Absolutely not. Why? I, I, I doesn't. I don't know. I just can't picture you having good rhythm. If the dancing is anything like the singing, <laughs> oh I don't know. my god! If you could be more freaking uh, like honest, honest, and like punch me in the face right in the beginning of the show, I don't know what else. You said be Go honest. ahead, Jake. What do you What honest. do you think, Jake? Well, I, I, mine was kind of mean too. I said if your dancing is anything like your singing, I don't think you're very good. Well, <laughs> I've said I'm not. I've but, said I'm not. I mean, I'm are, a horrible singer. You are very athletic. You know, you played football, so I'm going to say you are a good dancer. We've seen on, you know, these Dancing with the Stars, these athletes are good dancers in the end zone celebration. So I'm going to say you are a good dancer, Anita. I got your back. So, so really, so just so you know, Ty, like, and this is probably before you were born, right? Like, like I'd say mid 80s, right? Like, I would compete. I would compete in dance offs. Oh, wow. We, Yes. So so we would like we would bring our own cardboard and I know there's folks out there listening right now and you know exactly what I'm talking about. We would bring our own cardboard in our beatbox to the the mall. And we would and we would like, you know, I don't we'd bring our allowance. I don't know whether it was $10 or $5 that we would accumulate throughout the week. And um and and we would have dance like dance-offs. And so I you know, I I was I was I was, I was really good. I mean, I won a lot. I was going to say dance-offs against other people who can't dance doesn't exactly show your... Uh, oh, jeez. Co- now another <laughs> low blow. Another <laughs> low blow from Ty. Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, it's funny. I haven't... And, and I, I had this conversation with a friend of mine. Like, I love... I love to get a group of people together, rent a limo. Of course, you want to drink responsibly and head out and have like... And just do a night at a club just dancing your butt off until like seven o'clock in the morning and then of course you go to right and then you go somewhere and you just you know devour food but um i haven't done that like that was one of my favorite things to do and i haven't done that in a long time obviously because of covid and whatnot like like that's that's gotta happen because i just and and so and so by the way I would call myself an average dancer. I'm not a great dancer. I don't like get on the dance floor and like, you know, stop the room that far from it. But I hold my own tie. Okay. Just so you know, like, you know, I don't have the white overbite. Like I, like I hold my own dude, just so you know. Um, so, but dancing is so fun. Anyway, uh, welcome in. (laughs) Anita Marks with you for the next three hours. Uh, I I feel we've got a great show lined up for you. Uh, and and we're going to touch on, on a number of things. And I, I know the, uh, Flores conversation in regard to his class action suit against the NFL has been a hot topic for a few days, but just so you know, this is my first opportunity uh, to discuss it. So I am going to take the liberty to do that, especially we're going to concentrate on that this first hour. Um, Harry Carson, who is one of my favorite human beings on the planet. I had the, the, the pleasure and uh, the opportunity to work with him when I was at the Giants and so Harry Carson is going, former giant, great Hall of Famer, is going to be joining us at 1230. That's appointment radio. Why? Well, a few things. Uh, so hopefully majority of people out there, if you've been if, over the age of 50, know who Fritz Pollard is. Um, and and I don't, I'm not calling you guys out. I'm just curious. Ty, Jake, do you know who Fritz Pollard is? And if you don't, it's okay. I, I just, I think you're, I think you're, you're, 
your era, I don't think you would know. Yeah. Do you know? Who- yeah. Uh, the former head coach, and now there's the uh, foundation named after him. Exactly. Exactly. So the Fritz Pollard Alliance Foundation is a foundation that has been established to help with equal opportunity in sports. And it's, uh, it's, it, it's compiled of scouts, coaches, front office people uh, to help change what Flores went through, whether it's allegedly with the Giants. I know the Giants are, uh, they put out a timeline and uh, they are uh, denying that they had decided to hire Brian Dable before they brought Flores in. The text message from Bill Belichick to me is, is a big red flag, but again, like not 100%, okay? I'm leaning towards the, the percentage of, uh, ooh, that's not a good look. But of course, we'll never, and let's be honest, we'll never know, right? We'll never know. The Denver Broncos, did they show up disheveled and hungover and late? That's what Flores is reporting in his civil lawsuit. Of course, the Denver Broncos are denying. Again, we'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. And, uh, and of course, uh, the allegations that the Miami Dolphins and, and Ross, their owner, uh, had requested slash demanded that Flores tank games. And for every game he would tank, he'd get an extra $100,000. Now, what I do like is that Roger Goodell came out and has said that they're going to investigate the tanking situation. Well, you know what, Roger? I think you should investigate everything, to be quite frank. But, of course, the ownership is your boss, and they pay you 60. Can you imagine making six? Can, can we just, let, let guys, let's, let's marinate in this for a minute. You're Roger Goodell. You run the NFL. The owners, the 32-plus owners, pay your handsome salary of $60 million. Can you imagine making $60 million a year? Does Jay-Z even make $60 million a year, Ty? I don't know. Beyonce, him and, com- him and Beyonce combined? I don't know. Do they? $60 million a year. And now you're going to, or really, let's be honest, the right thing here to do is to investigate all claims. Is to investigate all claims. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a weird situation, I tell you. But Goodell came out and said that uh, the diversity progress that the NFL has seen is unacceptable. And they're going to reevaluate and they're going to examine the guidelines. How many times have we heard this? I don't know about you. I could count at least five, six, seven times. We've heard this each and every year that the Rooney rule fails. I'm going to give you some stats and some statistics and some percentages just to reiterate how badly it fails but he also said that they're going to investigate the tanking again i think they should investigate everything but of course they won't so back to fritz pollard fritz pollard was a running back who played at brown university back in 1915 i know we talk a lot about jim brown and 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 don't get me wrong hands down you can argue best running back top two top three ever to play in in the nfl and oh by the way side note Best lacrosse player ever to walk the planet, by the way, at Syracuse. A lot of people don't know that. In 1919, Fritz Pollard 
became a pro football player for the Akron Pros. By the way, my family's from Akron, Ohio. Originally, my, my dad was born in Akron, Ohio. He was only one of two African-Americans that played in that league. Okay? And in 1921, he became somewhat of a, 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 an assistant coach in 1921. And uh, I'm just, I want to read, this is a quote from him. Quote, unquote, it was evident in my first year at Akron back in 1919, they didn't want blacks in there getting that money. And here I was playing and coaching and pulling down the highest salary in pro football back in 1919. How about that? 1919. So where are we are today? Uh, let me break it down for you. <clears throat> Out of the 32 teams in the NFL, only one African-American head coach. It's 3%. Only four offensive coordinators. It's only 12%. Only 11 defensive coordinators. It's only 34%. Only six general managers. 19%. Marinating that for a minute. The Rooney Rule has been in place for 20 years. Only 15 of the 129 head coaching vacancies were filled by blacks. That's only 11%. Here's another one for you. Black coaches hired, fired within two and a half years, where white coaches fired in three and a half since 2012. So Caucasian coaches uh, given a lot more lean, lean way, leniency, a lot more opportunity to right their ships that they have taken over uh, more so than African-American uh, head coaches. It's been 43 years since the first African-American head coach was hired by Art Shell. God bless Al Davis. Okay. Uh, 54 years it took. So it took 43 years for the Raiders to hire Art Shell. It took 54 years for Steve Bishotti. I've said this before, one of my favorite owners uh, in all of professional sport. I love that man. He hired Ozzie Newsom as his GM. And Ozzie, you could hands down say, probably one of the best general managers in the history of the NFL. Jonathan Ogden, Ray Lewis. So uh, these percentages are disgusting considering the, the percentage of African-American professional athletes, let alone professional football players, of course, because that's this sport. Think about your business. Think about your industry, right? When, when you want to, if, if, if you're a business owner, right? Don't you, some of the, and, and, and my opinion, curious to hear yours, 800-919-3776. Some of the best CEOs, COOs, managers, leaders, they've worked their way up. Started in the mailroom. Work their way up right through um, uh, maybe maybe they maybe they were a driver. Maybe they worked in the mailroom, worked their their way up to the service industry, then became somewhat of a somewhat of a manager, managing maybe a certain percentage of people in the company. Some of your best leaders, some of your best people who run your company start from the ground level and they work their way up, they're committed. So now you're talking about 
a very large percentage of African-Americans who start from the ground level, which is the player drafted out of college. And these are the percentages in regard to the men that are leading your companies. Head coach, 3%. Defensive coordinator, 12%. Sorry, offensive coordinator, 12%. Defensive coordinator, 34%. General manager, 19%. It's disgusting. It's wrong. How do you fix it? I don't have the answers. I don't know. Maybe Harry Carson has the answers. Big part of the Fritz Pollard Foundation. I'm really excited to have him on the show. But there's there's a huge issue here. Um, and, and it needs to change. I don't have the answers. I don't know how to change it. You know, you've, you've, got, you've got 32 plus of the most powerful, wealthiest men in the world running these organizations. They don't have to answer to anybody. They don't have to answer to the government. How are you going to change that narrative? There's not one African-American owner. The playing field is not fair. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Got a tweet here. You can tweet me at Anita Marks. The NFL shouldn't investigate anything because any investigation fronted by the league wouldn't be impartial. As you said, Goodell's being paid 63, sorry, $63 million a year ooh, uh, to protect the owners. An external special counsel needs to be appointed by a neutral party. Uh, you're probably right. 800-919-3776. We've got a, a slew of calls, so let's get to them. Um, let's kick it off with D in Queens. D, you're up. Welcome in. Hey, how you doing, Anita? Good afternoon. How you doing? I mean, I'm part of the, you know, Lamar Jackson fan club, me and you. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, if you go to a mathematician, they say, unless you count for race, the NFL's practices, my dad has a few things I want to go over, are impossible unless you account for race. Like it's, it's so before anyone says, "Oh, hire the best person for the judge job." Explain Joe Judge. You know the Giants talk about they screwed up everything with um, Daniel Jones. Yeah, maybe if you hire Eric Bieniemy, Daniel Jones won't be so behind the eight ball right now. I'm just saying. And then also, if, if the NFL wants to say, "Well, it's not this, it's not that," explain explain the concussions on lawsuit where race norming where they were literally going around and giving black dudes less money because they said they were slower or already dumb as is. Like, the NFL practices racism. And what I want to know is, how come the feds have not just been involved in the NFL as a total? When you take into account this, when you take into account Spygate, when you take into account uh, what's going on with John Gruden, when you take into account what's going on with the Washington football team, like, why don't the feds just come in once and for all? Like there's I, I just, big there. Yeah, D. I just, Hello? I just, yeah, D. Thanks for the phone call. I appreciate it. I, I just, I don't, I just don't think it's their territory. And, um, I mean, it's a good question. I, I don't have the answer to that. I would just imagine that um, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, they're they're dealing with terrorism and all kinds of stuff. I just, I, I think, I think this would be really low on their totem pole. Just my two cents. Uh, unfortunately, but I, I think that's the reality of it. Um, 800-919-3776. Uh, let's go to Dave in Edison. Dave, you're up. Thank you for taking the call. Um, I got three points here that I think I'll 
some people have been missing. I've been really close with the Patriots since the, they started the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Belichick's going to say anything to any coach unless he's 100% sure. I think what happened is this. I'm with, Dave, just really that, quick, uh, don't, don't go anywhere. Don't, go, don't hang up. I'm with you. I, I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and they were like, what, you know, maybe Bill Belichick heard it from like a scout. I'm like, I don't think Bill Belichick is texting anyone to congratulate them if he didn't hear it from a very, and not only that, Dave, he heard it from two sources, one within the Giants, one within the Bills. So, and it's Bill Belichick. We're not, we're not talking, you know, we're not talking about, you know, uh, uh, a beat reporter. We're not talking about a, a scout from another team. I mean, we're talking about Bill Belichick. And I would imagine, Dave, I think you're spot on here. Uh, that, you know, his connections and who he's texting and who he's getting his information from is pretty substantial. So I agree with you there, Dave. Right. right. I got one more point. When when uh, Flores went and did this, he didn't text Belichick ahead and said, hey, I'm going to be using your text in my lawsuit. No, it's, he, he doesn't like, like, there's animosity because Flores left he went into the in the division. He poached players and coaches away from Belichick. Now he's getting a text that Belichick's think is, is for Dable. He might have like the Giants might have called up. Hey, you've you've had both of these guys as coaches. Who do you like better, Dable or Flores? And Belichick goes, I like Dable. He gets off the phone. He texts who he thinks Dable. Hey, you got the job. And it's not Dable. It's Flores. That's a that's a big now, Dave. That's that's a that's that is a conspiracy theory. Thanks for the phone call. That's really stretching it a lot, in my opinion. Um, let's go. Let's go to Terrence. Terrence, welcome in. Hi, how are you doing? Good morning. It's good, it's good to be here. Hey, so my 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 issue is that you know I was listening to what you're saying, and I I agree with you. You know, it's really. I don't know if there's any way really to fix it. You can't force these billionaire owners to, you know, pick and choose who they want. You know, I think, you know, there needs to be, there needs to be some type of, uh, like, always the enemy. He, he, if you ask me, he's the one who's, who's been egregiously left out of the process. And um, so that, to me, he, he's, he's been hurt more than, than, than Brian Flores, who actually had a job. Um, so, so that's the thing right there. But I believe that there needs to be, it needs to be like more of a uh, grooming system in the NFL to groom these uh, the black coaches to, to become the coordinators, to become offensive coordinators. Some type of like system, like some type of like I don't know what it is. Maybe a um, what is it like a mentor system where where they're definitely within an organization and they move they, and if he is you know supposed to move up into these coordinator positions. You know, I think the more the more you have flooding the flooding the coordinator positions, the more Terrence, thank you for the phone call. I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Like I said, we come back. Harry Carson, former Giant Great, is going to join us. He's a big part of the Fritz Pollard Alliance Foundation. Ken, Jim, hang tight. I promise we'll get to your calls this hour as, as well. 800-919-3776 is the phone number. That's how you can get in. Also, some, some news today pertaining to the Giants. Adam Schefter is reporting that the Giants are hiring Eagles Director of Player Personnel Brandon Brown as their assistant GM. Uh, Eagles continue. It will, I mean, this is. I'm just reading his his tweet. Eagles continue identifying and grooming their young talent: Joe Douglas, Andrew Barry, 
Ian Cunningham, Patrick Stewart, the other teams recently promoted to high-ranking jobs. So Brandon Brown will be their assistant GM from the Eagles. Also, not sure if you heard, but overnight, Patrick Graham accepted the defensive coordinating position with the Raiders. So he joins forces yet again with Josh McDaniels. Keep in mind, Patrick was with the Patriots. Him and Josh were together from 2012 to 2015. So Patrick Graham now leaving the Giants. He will not be the defensive coordinator. Who will the defense? Who who will the Giants select as defensive coordinator? I don't know. That's maybe I'll I'll I'll, I'll toss that up to Harry Carson as well. You're listening to Anita Marks on ninety eight point seven ESPN. So it's, uh, it's 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 a sad state of affairs. Ty, I know you want to chime and in on, here before we go to our calls. On the part of incentivizing, we're coming off a weekend that saw the numbers look like this. Uh, 49 million average viewer, viewers for the title games. And I think it peaked at something like 60 million. So if you're the league, it's like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We don't have any problems. That's just a, you know, a, you, that's a you issue. So that right now, we can do the whole paint the end zone with these messages and put uh, the same mantras on helmets and racism. But do you actually care? Because as I mentioned to Dave, like you'll hear coaches all the time say, you know, don't show me you want to win. Tell me you want to win. And for the purposes of this conversation, I would say don't tell me you care about equality. Show me. There is no reason why we should be staring at going into a season next year with one head coach of the 32 that is that is black. And that one head coach just so happens to be Mike Tomlin, who's a champion and playing for an organization who simply doesn't fire head coaches. They've had three in, what, the last 60 years, Anita? They, they don't fire their head coaches. So Tomlin, you know, he's earned it. He's been successful, and that's the only qualified minority coach in the, or black coach in the NFL. Is it just a coincidence, or is there a, a, a systemic issue? And I would lean toward the latter because the numbers, as you pointed out, illustrate that. 800-919-3776. Let's go to uh, Ken in Queens. Ken, you're up. Welcome in. Yes, how are you? Good afternoon. I just to say the only way that we can get the owners to come to the table is to take the, their federal, their, uh, their nonprofit status away from them and let them pay like all the other corporations do. Hello? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, Ken, yeah, Ken, I, I understand where you're going and appreciate the phone call, like, but, like, very unrealistic. I don't, I don't see that happening. Like, no. Let's go to Jim in Long Island. Jim, you're up. Hi, Anita. Thanks for taking my call. Welcome. Uh, since last night, I've heard a couple of names for the Giants defensive coordinator. Are there mm-hmm. some off-the-grid names, and who would you like to see? Yeah, um, well, first and foremost, I was hoping that Patrick Graham would return. Again, if you're just tuning in to 98.7 ESPN, news broke last night that Patrick Graham, Giants former, and and Jim, thanks for the phone call, former defensive coordinator has now accepted a job with the Raiders. He's reuniting with Josh McDaniels. Keep in mind, uh, Patrick was part of the Patriots and, um, and of course, uh, was there with Josh from 2012 through 2015. That's when their cross, their, their cross, their paths crossed. So, um, and I get it. Patrick wanting to go back to somebody familiar. Also, 
the Giants have some big question marks to make in regards to this defense. And you, you heard Shane talk about how strapped they are salary cap-wise. Does that mean Bradbury is going to have to go? Does that mean Martinez is going to have to go? Maybe is there writing on the wall there for Patrick Graham in regard to how this Giants defense is going to look moving forward? Is that a big reason why he decided to bolt and go to uh, Las Vegas to play and, or I should say, coach for the Raiders? Possibly. Um, but in regard to some of the coaches that were out there, some names that I mentioned prior to um, uh, Dable getting hired, Wink Martindale, who's no longer with, with the Ravens, right? Vic Fangio, who's no longer with Denver. Uh, Mike Zimmer, who's no longer with the Minnesota Vikings. So those are three out of those, uh, for me, I lean more towards, you know, obviously Vink, Wink, Martindale, and Vic Fangio. When we get back, I'll break down just their different philosophies in regard to how they play defense and how that might match up to what the Giants could possibly do. You know, what horses are they going to have in their stable when the season begins? That's another, that's a really, it's another big question mark. 800 I know phone lines keep uh, keep lighting up. A lot of uh, a lot to discuss. We haven't even touched on the Super Bowl, which is a, a week and a day away. And also, we will have Cynthia Freeland, who will be joining us uh, at at one thirty. So excited to get her thoughts. She's uh, pretty tight with uh, Brian Flores, so I'm curious to hear what she has to say about the lawsuit. Um, also, her thoughts on what needs to change. I'll ask her her opinion in regard to who she thinks the Giants should bring as, as their defensive coordinator. We'll talk the NFL Super Bowl with her as well. We have a click or don't click coming your way at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. We'll find out what is trending on this Saturday afternoon. And as always on Saturday, Joe Wiz joins us. He's got his own gambling show here on 98.70 ESPN. I've got some NBA plays for you for later on tonight. I did quite well yesterday, although I was hoping that I had the 76ers on the money line. I don't know why Embiid was on the bench so long when they started the fourth quarter. I'm a little perplexed by that, but nonetheless, he got his over 11.5 rebounds, which I broke even. Hopefully, folks out there did as well, especially if you listen to our gambling show, We Can Wager, right here on 90.7 ESPN every Friday night from 10 to midnight. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Cynthia, a lot to get to, my friend. How you doing? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Where are you right now? Are you in LA? Are you in Vegas? Are you where are you? I just got back home to LA. I was in Vegas for the East West Shrine Bowl, which was such an awesome experience because, you know, obviously I love the drafts and I love like getting to know some of these draft players and I got a chance to do some analytics on that, which was really cool because these aren't like necessarily all you know, most of these guys, if they get drafted, they're third day guys, which is really, really cool. Maybe maybe some sneak into Friday, but probably third round guy or third day guys so you know i i really i really appreciate that so not the back half of roster seeing some of the smaller school guys like up close and personal the practices were really informative so it was it was great i had a wonderful time not a typical huh. vegas experience because literally like you know was was like i, I could have been anywhere you know i could have been anywhere but it was great it's crazy i've got four friends in vegas right now I just realized that this morning, like four friends in Vegas, like vacationing in Vegas. And of course you've got the NHL festivities there. You've got the Pro Bowl festivities there. You've got a lot going on in, in, in Vegas. I'm sure it's a crazy time. Um, it's a crazy time in the NFL, especially with, uh, with Brian Flores. Uh, I, I know you know him. I, I know you know uh, that Dolphins organization better than most. 
Uh, what was your first initial reaction when news broke about his uh, class action lawsuit, Cynthia? Really proud of my friend. I've known him for 20 years, and this is a man of principle, of character, of the utmost like integrity. And it's this is not an easy path. It's not a. This is not a. Uh, he's not doing something without full knowledge of the consequences of his actions, good, bad, and in, in between. And it's hard and scary. And I'm sure. I mean, I reached out to him. I'm sure with everyone else that has ever known him, and just said, you know, let me know how I can help, right? Because this is, this is. He's a, he is a man of principle. So if he believes something, then and he has experienced something, he's going to do everything he can to articulate exactly what happened. Nothing more, nothing less, and and, and you know ex- expose it for what it is. And there's no there's no opinions there. There's no he is a no drama kind of human being. So I'm really proud of him for being so bold and taking such a big risk. I. You know, I'm, I'm, he went to BC with me and all of our BC group are, it was nothing but support from top to bottom, from Matthias to, you know, everything, to Dewan Daniels, to like all of these people who we've been friends with for 20, literally 20 years. It, it, it's been cool to see how, how much support they've all given each other and we've all given each other. You know, it's, it's interesting that Bill Belichick text message was really the smoking gun. Not sure if we'd be here today discussing this if that text message never came. Um, very substantial in regard to the timeline, uh, although the Giants are, are reporting that it, it, that is not factual and that they had every intent to give Brian Flores an opportunity to hire him. So uh, we'll see what happens there. You know, I had, I had Harry Carson, who's part of the Fritz Pollard Alliance Foundation, on the show earlier and, you know, just really kind of doing a deep dive in, into the situation. But at the end of the day, and, and I've been fielding calls all, all afternoon, Cynthia, like there's no you're talking about 32 plus of the most wealthiest men who walk the planet like they rule the world like like you know will we ever see this change can you know what 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 could facilitate change you know you've got Roger Goodell who's get who gets paid over 60 million dollars a year from these owners um you know what is he gonna do <laughs> I mean like like you know well I will say you know look I've had a really fortunate experience after having worked with, you know, Goodell in the front office uh, way back in 2008, all the way till now having these kind of experiences. And I will say there are a number of very thoughtful owners and very forward thinking owners who belong in that club that you talked about of wealthy, influential people. And they want a change too. But the hardest part about all of it is that, you know, I do believe we all have to think about where we stand and what steps we can take. And a lot of this comes from the lower level hiring stuff, because once you get to the level of head coach, it's just like, like anything else. There's only a few people who are even known or qualified enough. There's only 32 of these head coaching jobs on the planet. And there's only, you know, 32 presidents and 32, you know, general managers. So, or even less, if you consider that some of the owners kind of take multiple roles, but, but ultimately, that if we get a better job of, and I've been fortunate enough to also work with the Fritz Pollard Alliance on figuring out how to do a better job of hiring when it, at younger ranks, right? At more, you know, what's the right spot? Obviously, when people are first entry level, that's one spot. But then there's like kind of that that post MBA, like that, like you know, director VP level that are really the ones that are going to be the pool amongst which the 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 front office leaders will be selected going forward. So, you know there are people out there who want to make this thoughtful change. I'm going to give a lot of credit. 
the Bills organization, they're very flat, very fair, and very, you know, egalitarian. Like I had a great experience with them and they're very, they're very much merit based. And I, there's a lot of shining examples in the NFL of people who are doing it ways that are to be commended. And, you know, David Tepper, I mean, this man makes, David Tepper is like one of the most successful human beings on the planet. You think he didn't get that way by recognizing that the more diverse your staff, the more money you can make, you know, obviously that's in business and football is a little bit different, but like, you know, because your metro must have been different, but I, I think there are a new regime and there are plenty of people who care about it very deeply. It's just hard to enact this big, big, big change. And I think one of the ways that at least I found that I can be impactful is to help out on the, you know, intermediate, like I have an MBA and I got hired in at that level prior to being on TV. So how can we, how can we do a better job there so that you get a new crop of people to, it's good for the business. If it's more, if it reflects more voices and inclusivity, there are numerous, numerous studies that show that that's how you actually make even more money. And that sounds ridiculous for the juggernaut that makes billions of dollars. But the, but the reality is, is sustained wealth is created through inclusion. Again, Cynthia Freeland joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Um, Some other housekeeping news and notes. Patrick Graham overnight, news broke. He accepted the defensive coordinator job for the Las Vegas Raiders, joining forces yet again with Josh McDaniels. The two of them were in New England from 2012 to 2015. What does this mean for the Giants? Now, there's a report out there right now that they're going to interview Wink Martindale. As we know, he comes over from the Baltimore Ravens, but he's very blitz happy, plays a lot of man one-on-one coverage, not necessarily the defense that the Giants have run with Patrick Graham, let alone, you know, some big question marks, you know, in regard to their salary cap situation. Do they cut Bradbury? Do they cut Martinez? If so, are you going to go man-on-man and play that type of blitz man-on-man defense without Bradbury? Ugh, I don't know. A lot of question marks here. Uh, what direction do you think the Giants should go in in regard to the D.C. job? Well, I think it's all about really creating. Like, I, I look, the, the way you create your defense it should reflect the strategies you're trying to enact. I mean, if you think, look at what Wink has done. He, he has been great through several times. This is not a, like, he, he's not a one-trick pony, right? Like, he, he's had multiple, like, it's kind of like, well, which one is it? Is it because your personnel was adept at blitzing that you did that or because you wanted to blitz so you created, you brought in the right personnel? And the reality is, is you kind of have to do both. And if you look to see, this year is going to be interesting because the cap's going to go up. We have some forecasts around 205, 205 million. But that's not a ton, meaning I think a lot of teams, they pushed out into the future, into this year, a cap situation where they're going to be underwater and, and there's going to be some cap casualties again this season, even though the cap is going up, based on people forecasting an even higher increase that didn't end up materializing this year. So you're going to be able to get some really good free agents from a number of teams. So I think that there's a very good chance that whoever you get in there, does, it kind of, it's all about trust and, and the shared vision. And you've got to trust Brian Dable on this one. You know, like that, that's part of it. You have to trust that they're going to make the right decisions for the personnel and for the cap and for the types of plays that they want to run. So that's part of being a head coach. You know, like this is, that's what you got to, you got to just have some full faith in that. But I will say, don't look past the sneaky fact that there are a ton of interesting cap situations that are they're going to fly a little bit under the radar. I mean, look at the Saints. Holy smokes. They're, I don't know how they're going to even, like, field the team at this point with all their dead money. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, th- there's, there's a lot of moving and shaking that needs to go on 
with their number of teams, right, heading into uh, this this season. Uh, I had Bill Barnwell on our gambling show last night. We can wager it airs every Friday night here from 10 to midnight. And uh, we talked about the new head coaching positions, but also we talked about uh, the quarterback carousel that we can expect heading into next season, right? Like Jimmy Garoppolo, does he go to Pittsburgh? Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, does he go to Denver? Uh Carson Wentz, does he leave the Colts? If so, where does he go? Uh, what, 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 who do you think is going to be the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Denver Broncos next year? You know, it's really funny because I think, and, and again, this is just from, this is my own theory. This is no one has told me. I'm not reporting. But, I mean, why are we low-key not talking about Jimmy Garoppolo being a Raider, reuniting with Josh McDee? figuring out situation out. And then where does Derek Carr go? Derek Carr, interestingly, could be a Pittsburgh Steeler. That's an interesting one I think could potentially happen because it's not the same part of the, you know, it's the same conference, but not the same division. I think we're going to see some weird stuff happen. I think Mitchell Trubisky gets a starting job, gets a shake at, or at least a, a nod at a starting job. There aren't a ton of quarterbacks in this draft that are highly regarded as guys that are, that could potentially be, you know, Joe Burrows, right? So, I think that this it becomes really uh, Aaron Rodgers. I don't know where he goes, but I think I like to follow the money. And the Denver Broncos just went up for sale. His offensive coordinator is now the head coach. I think, at least for perception's sake, it seems like you want to get that four billion dollar price tag for the Broncos. Bring me Aaron Rodgers. That at least is, is it feels like a story that you know the money seems to to support. So that's kind of how I'm looking at at all of it. But I, I think we're in for like. Maybe maybe one of those things where like we anticipate all these news and then all of a sudden it's like nothing happens. <laughs> do you think? That do you could, think? Do you think Wentz leaves uh, the Colts and goes somewhere else? I mean, what the the Colts? Unfortunately, they kind of in that no man's land in the draft of like, well, where I think they need another pass rusher. I think you know, look, they're obviously their defensive coordinator left to become the head coach of the Bears, so they're they're going to take a look there. I think they probably are pretty well set because. Remember, it's, it's not just it's price you paid. And I don't think Carson Wentz was – he wasn't that big of a problem. I was with some of the, the Colts coaching staff at the East-West Shrine Bowl, and they, it didn't seem like that was – it didn't it, – you know, you kind of get that thing. like It didn't seem like they were done with him. You know what I mean? Like it didn't seem like it was over. You know, there, there's some talk and speculation that uh, the Giants will bring, bring here, will bring Mitchell Trubisky here uh, to compete with Daniel Jones uh, for the starting quarterback position. Do you envision that, or do you think Trubisky will go to a team that he walks right in and he's the starter? I hope he's in a situation where he's not the starter right away, because I think a little bit of, I, I, not not for his sake, because I'm sure you know everyone wants to you know it, it, everyone wants to be the starter, of course. But I think you know I think that the opportunity to learn a system, because obviously never going to be the starter in Buffalo. I mean, th- this is not going to happen, right? So you know the opportunity to truly compete for it. I want to see how, how that works for him when there is more pressure. Because this year, there really wasn't that pressure, right? Like, Josh Allen was a starter so long as he was healthy. You know, like, period, full stop, right? So, you know, I, I'd like him to walk in a situation where he has a chance to compete for it. Because I think I saw some good stuff from him. Every coaching staff has really loved him. And I think, you know, you talk about things that are mentally challenging. Like, if you really want to give Daniel Jones a shot, like, I don't know if it's great to bring – to bring in Mitchell Trubisky. So, I mean, I, I hope he gets a shot because he's a nice kid and, and, and whatever, but I can say the same thing about Daniel Jones. He's a nice kid. Like, I've never seen him do, you know, he seems like it's been a rough go at it. I hope they both get shots, but maybe not together because they're kind of similarly 
you know, they've been, they've had similar experiences. So maybe go somewhere else where he gets a real shot to start and it's not, and it doesn't mess with anyone's heads anymore. Cynthia Freeland, join us here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Cynthia, let's end on the Super Bowl. Uh, I already have my picks and my plays in, and there's a plethora of them. Um, I, I said this on Daily Wager this week. Burn me once, shame on you. Burn me twice, shame on me. Burn me three times, big time, shame on me. I'm not doubting the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals yet again. I didn't think that they'd beat Tennessee. I certainly did not think that they would beat the Kansas City Chiefs, let alone twice in less than 30 days. I am backing them. I am supporting them. The fact that they're getting four and a half, I love it. I'm playing Cincinnati plus four and a half. I'm playing them on the money line. I'm going to play them alternate spread at minus two and a half, and you can get that at plus 190. I'm going to play them as a two-way teaser. I'm going to tease them up to plus 10 and a half. I'm going to tease the over down to 42 and a half. Just a few ways mm-hmm. I'm playing this game, my friend. How are you playing it? You know, it's funny because I've, I've been – final score-wise, I do think it's going to be a close game. I go back and forth basically because I keep watching the injury report for C.J. Uzama, and he has not practiced, so that will make a difference for me because at some point, you know, you, you forget, like, his blocking is also impactful, and that middle-of-the-field situation is great. I love Joe Burrow on intermediate passes. He's been the best in the league since week seven in literally every metric, touchdowns, completion percentage, uh, you know, every like every metric that you can look at, like he's just been crushing um, on those intermediate passes. But part of that is, like, I, I think, you know, the C.J. Uzama factor is big. I think it's razor-thin margin. I really – I want, like, you know, I never usually say, like, what I want, but I'm kind of, like, sort of low-key cheering for the Bengals for no reason other than I like Joe Burrow, and I think it's a good story. I like the underdog story. But I, some of the things that I like in this game are – you know, I went on last night and I was playing around with some things and you can you can add together over two over one and a half passing touchdowns for both quarterbacks and over one interception for both quarterbacks and you get like plus six seventy five. That's an interesting little value note there. I think that one's pretty cool. And I like an Odell Beckham Jr. touchdown. Obviously he has five as a Ram and you've seen him being used more and more. It's his first time even having over 100 yards with 113 last game. But I think that the value, I think it's like plus 109 or plus 110, depending on where you're looking, um, for Odell to get a touchdown. I think there's a lot of value in that pick as well. So I, I'm going to reserve my final. You know, next week we can talk about who, because I want to run, run my simulations once we get more close to the final, the final injury report. But I love those two as some early, those, those mixes, those blends, if you will, as some early value situations. Great stuff as always, Cynthia. Always appreciate you, my friend. Enjoy. Uh, are you are you are you, well, are you heading to the Super Bowl? You live in L.A. You're going to be at the Super Bowl. Never mind. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy next week and all the festivities that come along with it. And uh, and we'll talk to you. Anita, next Saturday. Guess what? Guess what? 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 Guess where we'll be a month from today. Uh, Indy, Indy, Indy. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going or not. I, I have to. I have to look. I have to look into it. I have to look into it. All right. Well, you better make it happen because I, you know, that's always my favorite. I haven't seen you in like two years, so I need to. See I know. Girl. I know. I know. I. I will. I promise. I will look into it. I promise. All right. All right. Good. <laughs> All right. All right. People, Take care. Keep tweeting at Anita to make sure she comes to the combine with me because we we'll get way better. <laughs> hey, keep tweeting her. Keep tweeting. Her. Happen. Make it happen, listeners. This is click, 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 or don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? Hmm. 
It is time for Click or Don't Click, a fun way that we tour around our wide, wide world of sport and find out what is trending based on the headlines. And of course, Ty and Jake lead the way. Gentlemen? Where Brooklyn at, Anita? <laughs> yeah, that's a good Where Where Brooklyn at? All right, so last <laughs> night the Nets were in Utah and lost 125 mm-hmm. 102, but that was not the biggest story of the day. It's also not that they've lost seven straight games, but it is in fact that Sham Sharania reported. Uh, yesterday that there seems to be some momentum picking up between the Nets and the Sixers on a possible trade centered around James Harden and Ben Simmons. As we all know, Ben Simmons hasn't played this season. He uh, hasn't shown up to Philly because he, you know, he's upset about everything that transpired after they lost uh, in seven games in the playoffs last year. Uh, and he refuses to play for that organization again. Uh, reports also indicate that James Harden is unhappy here in Brooklyn, and he would consider signing with the Sixers in free agency uh, once he becomes a free agent this coming summer. So uh, there could be some momentum here. The trade deadline is February 10th, so that is next Wednesday. Anita, uh, what what do we have here brewing in Brooklyn? Yeah, next I don't. Thursday, I don't. I'm sorry, next Thursday is the trade deadline, the 10th. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want Ben Simmons. You want Ben Simmons? If Ben Simmons comes here with like. Tyrese Maxey and Seth Curry. So, so the players mentioned uh, Tyrese Maxey, uh, Matisse Thybul, Seth Curry. If there's some permutation that includes those guys along with Ben Simmons and some and some picks, I would absolutely do that if I'm the Nets. One thousand percent. I just, I, I just everything that I hear about Ben Simmons out of Philadelphia is just uh, like I, I can't like. It's drama. I can't even, I can't even imagine, like, marinating this for a minute, Ty. Like, can you imagine Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving both on the same team with with the issues and, and, and what those two deal with separately to combine that? You really think that would be wise? I just, I just don't. I know Ben Simmons, you know, has has fallen short of, of the glory of, you know, being the number one overall pick, coming in with those level of expectations, playing for you know a team that's contending for a championship, uh, along with Joel Embiid, one of the seven best players in the league, he's fallen short. But uh, part of it is, you know, maybe he just doesn't want to be in that environment. You say, well, imagine the pressure that comes with playing in New York. Um, if he could come here and, and play with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and they could win a championship, I, I think that could possibly unlock maybe emotionally uh, a, a different version of Ben Simmons because he's a tremendous basketball player. You're going to get all NBA defense from him. He's a playmaker. He rebounds. He's athletic. Can't shoot. But with the Nets, Kyrie, Kevin Durant, hopefully Joe Harris comes back. You got Patty Mills. Like You're going to get enough shooting. If you can get him here with that defensive capability, that, that could be a win for the Nets, especially if James Harden isn't happy here and he's considering leaving anyway. That that could be something that, that the front office has to entertain, if it's on the. I table. just I think it's I just think I think it's personally I just I think it's dangerous. Um, I I I I think you're opening the door for a, a slew of a whole new set of uh, issues. Um, I wouldn't do it. And again, this is just based on everything that I I, I hear out of Philadelphia in, in in a multitude, a number of of, of issues uh, pertaining to Ben Simmons. I just I don't think you com- I don't think you compound the situation here with the Nets. Yeah, but the situation is with- already dreadful here. Um, 
Harden's clearly been taking shots at, at Kyrie during press conferences. Kyrie is a, a part-time player. Durant's hurt right now. The team is, I mean, they lost the other night in Sacramento. That's one of the worst teams in the NBA. Um, so it, it, it's already a dire situation. I just, I, I think it, I think it could get worse. That's I will say this though: it does. Uh, all these reports reflect poorly on on two players, Harden, because he's now had teammates: Dwight Howard, uh, Russell Westbrook, CP3, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, multiple desti- uh, multiple stops. Whereas you know Houston and now here in Brooklyn, you've had chances to win a championship and you couldn't get along with any of those guys. And not that it all falls on Harden. But it does reflect poorly on him. If if this is your resume, you're pursuing winning a championship. That's the only thing your resume is, is missing. You've got an MVP. You've got scoring titles. You've got all of that. You don't have a championship. That's going to be held against you when we look at the all-time greatest players. And you've had these great teammates, and you couldn't get along with those guys. It reflects poorly on him and for Kyrie Yeah, but Irving. time out. He didn't sign up for this tie. He didn't t- sign, sign up for Kyrie only playing on the road. No, I get like, that. But like, but. But part of the reason why the Nets didn't win last year wasn't just that Kyrie got hurt. James Harden also got hurt. That was on Harden. I mean, can you blame a guy for injuries? No. But that that it's to say that yes, the Nets could have won a championship last night uh, last year if, if Harden doesn't get hurt. And no one signed up for Kyrie being a part time player. But come on, you you deal with the hand that you're dealt. Kevin Durant went out there and was balling. Was an MVP candidate before he got hurt. I get you're frustrated, but come on, man. You're trying to win a championship here. Go out there and compete. Go out there and, and don't show that. He scored four points against the Kings. Looks like he's mailed it in. So it looks hard, it looks poorly on him. And Kyrie, I mean, Cleveland, Boston, and now Brooklyn, you, you've now made a mess in three different organizations. Um, it's not it's not a good look for him either. I'm not saying that it's a good look for him. I, I just I, I think... I think Ky- to me, Kyrie and in, in his decision to uh, only play on the road, um, to, to me, that's the bigger factor here. And at the end of the day, I don't think you bring in another, another troubled player from another organization and align him with Kyrie, who has been very vocal and honest about what he deals with, with mental health. I, I just, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's a wise decision. Uh, just my two cents. All right, so going from one good situation to another here with New York basketball, we're going from where's Brooklyn at to New York, we hear. <laughs> Who comes up with these headlines? Yeah, sure, I'll click it. Well, the headline is actually from last year, if you remember this. New York, we hear. And boy, does that feel like a long time ago when the Knicks, you know, were in the playoffs. They were hosting a, a game in the playoffs, which hasn't happened in a long time. But the Knicks this year have been dreadful. They're in L.A. tonight to take on the Lakers, who have not been so good either. Uh, the Lakers are currently in ninth place, 25-28 and 28 in the West. The Knicks are 24-28 and 28 and currently 12th in the East, so they're not even in the play-in game right now. Tonight's game is at 8 o'clock, a game you can hear right here on 98.7 ESPN with the pregame starting at 8 o'clock and the game at 8.30. Uh, the main story is Julius Randle. He's going back to L.A., You know, there's been a lot of rumors with trades. The trade deadline, again, is Thursday. Russell Westbrook, possibly to New York. We'll see him tonight. Not sure if that's necessarily the right move, but the Knicks are desperate for a point guard. And Julius Randle has really regressed a lot this year. He has five fewer points per game, 5% points less on field goals, and 11% points less on threes. And that's kind of the story of the Knicks season. So 
since Ty is a Lakers fan, I thought I'd bring him in here for this final two questions that we have for Click or Don't Click. My first question is for both of you is, does a Julius Randle-Russell Westbrook trade make sense for both teams? And my second question is, which team has been the bigger disappointment this year, the Knicks or the Lakers? Ooh, okay, well, uh, let's let's start with the Westbrook. Um, listen, I, I would like to see that happen. I, it, a lot of it depends on, you know, what are the Knicks giving up for him? Like, you bring Westbrook here, what does that do for the Knicks? You know, does do they make the playoffs? I don't know. Like it, it, a lot of it depends on like what are you giving up for him, and also I don't know what his contract situation is. Well, I was going to you know, say, do, does he be, does he become a free agent he's after got this one year? One like, more year at forty-seven million next year. I think one of the main things would be if you can get rid of Randall's contract. Yeah, Westbrook's contract is not great, but you're getting him for a less amount of time. So there's that. But it is an interesting trade. Again, Westbrook was kind of in trade rumors before the season with the Knicks, and then he ended up in L.A. But now they kind of you know, resurfaced with the trade deadline this Thursday. It would be, to answer your question, it would be a trade that makes no sense for the Lakers. Julius Randle doesn't fill a need that they have. Uh, the Lakers need wing, defense, and three-point shooting, playmaking around LeBron. You're not getting that in Randle. And if you're going to add a big, you want to add like a, a rim protector. Uh, behind Anthony Davis, similar to what they had in 2020 when they beat the Heat uh, en route to winning the title. So Randall wouldn't really fill a need for the Lakers. Um, But I I am looking forward to tonight. Hopefully we could get LeBron to play. Um, And in regard to who's the biggest, what team is the biggest disappointment this season? That's a good question. Um, it, it is a great question. I, I have to say, as, as disappointing as the Knicks have been, for sure, and all that's gone on with Julius Randle, I have to say the Nets, because the expectations for the Nets were I think championship. I Knicks, Knicks versus Lakers, not the Nets. Who's been a oh, bigger I, disappointment, the Knicks or the Oh, I thought, I thought he meant Nets. Uh, who's, oh, Lakers, for sure. I don't know if I agree with that, to be honest. Because at least with the Lakers... There's a reason why they struggled. AD's been hurt. LeBron's been hurt. When those yeah, but guys, even when they were even when they weren't hurt, it, it was evident the addition of of Westbrook. No, when those guys good play, fit. when those guys played together, they actually performed well. It's just that there's been no synergy when you got LeBron missing time because of injury, AD missing time because of injury, and yes, Russell Westbrook has had his shortcomings because he's not the same player uh, when he won the MVP. In Oklahoma City, but when those guys actually play together, I don't know. The you, beginning of the season, Ty, they 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 were struggling. Yeah, I mean, they were dealing with injuries pretty much, and I'm not going to make excuses for them, but they were dealing with injuries almost immediately. So there's a reason why. There's actually, you know, they do have a reason why they've struggled. Whereas the Knicks, what's uh, your your best player has regressed, and, and then overall the team's defensive identity has you know taken a turn for. The worst, you've got Evan Fournier, who's one of your prized free agent acquisitions. He's like hit or miss. Kimball Walker's been benched. So, I mean, at least with the Lakers, you still feel like if they ever get healthy, they can they can make a run. The one team that really scares you is, is Phoenix because they're just, I mean, they're better than last year. I, I had no idea that was coming. Whereas the Knicks, even if... Even if they put things together, like what's their ceiling? Are they are they winning a first round playoff series against Chicago, Miami, uh, Milwaukee, or Brooklyn, or Cleveland no. or Philly? Like no one sees that happening. So I would have to say the bigger disappointment would be the Knicks over the Lakers. 
We've got Joe Wiz joining us on 98.7 ESPN, brought to you by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. How you doing? What's going on? Hey, Anita. Yeah, well, it's Saturday. It's a little cold out, but uh, there's a ton of basketball action. So I know a lot of people out there. I was just talking to Ty. A lot of people out there jonesing because there's no football. But, uh, you know, there's plenty of opportunity to make money in the NBA and college basketball. So let's see if we can uh, knock some wins out for everybody. Let's do it. Let's do it. I also want to know uh, if you've uh, placed any Super Bowl picks yet as well. So stay tuned for that. But uh, let's take a look at the slate today. What's going on? And uh, the first game tips off at uh, at five o'clock. It's the Grizzlies in the Magic. Uh, John Morant uh, looks like there's a chance that he will not play because of foot soreness. But uh, let's be honest: Do the Grizzlies actually need him to play against the Magic? Uh, they're nine and twenty-five at home. Blech. No bueno. So uh, you've got this Grizzlies team. They're favored by eight. I put the money on Memphis. What say you, Joe? I'm not crazy about laying points on the road. Um, you know, when you take a look at Memphis, obviously they're a much superior team. They're 36 and 18. Orlando is 12 and 41. Um, so it's hard to make a case for the uh, Magic. However, um, you know, last year is a different story. But the last time they met was back last year, May 1st. And Orlando was an 11-point dog, and they won outright, 112 to 111. If Morant doesn't play, I'm going to take a shot with the Magic plus the eight points. I just think that maybe Memphis uh, will go through the motions in this game here. And again, a lot of these games in the NBA and some mostly NBA, but you know, the game time decisions are so crucial in all these games here. Um, so uh, I would look to see if Moran plays. If he plays, um, you know, I would stay away from the game. But if he doesn't, uh, I think there is some value with Orlando, even though they're a dismal uh, record of 12-41. and 41. 7 o'clock, you've got the Suns uh, taking on the Wizards. Uh, the Suns have been fantastic, especially on the road, 19-7 and seven since Aiton's return. He's averaging eight rebounds a game. Meanwhile, the Wizards, they've lost four straight, and it looks like they're going to be without Bradley Beal again tonight. I do like the Suns here, and even though they're laying seven and a half, what side are you on? Well, uh, you know, I'm not going to be laying eight points on the road here. So the total is at 222. It opened up at 222. We need it right now. It's at 220 at Bet Rivers. Um, the last seven meetings between Phoenix and Washington have gone over the total. So, you know, my only concern is Beal not being in the lineup. Uh, that is a little bit of a concern of me. But um, I still think that uh, Phoenix is going to be able to put, their po- put a lot of points up on the board here. Uh, Wizards have no defense. Um, and I think that this game is going to go over the total based on the history of the performance of these two teams the last seven meetings between these two have gone over Uh, you've got the heat in charlotte taking on the hornets the heat are rested the hornets as we know they played last night so this would be the second of a back-to-back they're favored by three i'm leaning towards the hornets here what say you yeah, you have to wonder if you know, Jimmy Butler's going to play. That's the big question mark because he's the best player as far as I'm concerned on Miami. Miami this year, um, they're the team uh, no one does talking about. Them and the Bulls in the East, uh, they have a record of 33 and 20. They're 30 and 23 against the spread. But Anita, 63 percent of the games that Miami Heat play go over the total. So um, I'd rather take a shot with the play here. Um, the Hornets are healthy today. I think everyone's getting in their lineup. And if Butler goes, pay attention to the, uh, that decision. But if Butler goes. I'm playing the over in the Miami Heat Charlotte game. Sometimes you don't have to play the game; just play the total. Miami has gone over in the last seven. Uh, the only game that didn't go over is their last game at San Antonio. But prior to that, they had gone over seven straight. Um, so I think that this spot here with Miami, 63% is a very high percentage uh, to go with when you can find something, whether it's a uh, dog or an under or a favorite. So uh, over with Miami Heat as long as Butler's in the lineup. 
I'll tell you, there's an under that I like today, and that's under in the Bucks Trailblazers game, and that's at 230, 229 and a half, 230. I'm going to go under here. The Bucks, yes, they're rested. The Trailblazers, another team, second uh, of a back-to-back, tail end of a back-to-back for the Trailblazers. Do you have a play in this matchup? Yeah, you know, I do agree with you a little bit here. Milwaukee, as you mentioned, um, they um, the defending champs, obviously, 32-21. and 21. Um, Not a good spread record, though. They're just 23-30 and 30 against the spread. So, you know, Portland, it's just so hard because they're so banged up. But uh, Milwaukee, only 24 overs and 29 unders. So they have been playing. They've been playing with their defense to go uh, unders. Um, the total in this game is right now, it opened up at 226. It's up to 229 right now. The line's 10 and a half. I'm taking a shot with Portland in this game here. I think Portland uh, getting double digits, um, getting a shot here with the home dog. Uh, I, I think that Portland has a shot of getting a backdoor cover. I like it. So I'm going with the dog. I like it. I'm with Portland and, and, on, and on the under. You've got uh, OKC, again, another team, second night of a back-to-back, going up against the Kings who are rested. But I'm on the Thunder here. I like the Thunder getting seven. You have a play in this one? Yeah, uh, Anita, Oak, Oak City – their spread record reminds me of the Knicks last year. I hate to bring up the Knicks because I know we'll be talking about them next probably. But the Oak City Thunder are 32-16-3 and 16 and three against the spread. They cover 65% of the time. I'm not sure why Sacramento will be favored by seven over anybody. They, they stink. Uh, I'm taking Oak City. It's, they, they have one of the best spread records. 65% of the time they cover the spread. Go Thunder. Yeah, so we're on the same page there. I saved the best for last, and that's the Knicks going up against uh, the Lakers. No LeBron James. Everything that I'm reading right now is that uh, AD is expected to play. The Knicks, uh, we know they've lost three straight. They're 11-13 on the road, but this is their first road game, I want to say, in the next four or five, if I remember correctly. I'm on the Knicks here, believe it or not. I like the Knicks. It's That line this morning was one and a half. It's now jumped up to two and a half. What what's your play in this matchup? Yeah, I think you and I are both in denial with the Knicks because they played so well last year. Knicks come in with a 24 and 28 record. Uh, Lakers aren't much better at 25 and 28. The line at Bat Rivers has them at two and a half. The totals at 212. The Knicks, uh, you know, they have a really tough trip here. I mean, they got the Lakers, Jazz, Denver, Golden State, and then at Portland. They might even be an underdog at Portland. Then they come home, the Nita, and they got a tough stand. The only game that might be winnable is against Oak City. Then they got Brooklyn, even though Brooklyn's a mess, uh, Miami and Philly in the three game homestand here uh you know i I like to see walker i mean it's amazing because i looked at the box score the other day and i saw i didn't even see him in the box score because he didn't score any points so uh i you know i think that's the key i mean we know julius randall's having some problems but i think if walker uh dividend is going to stick with them and keep him in the lineup so you got fournier uh, barrett and randall um i think that the knicks have a shot um i gave out the knicks as a small player tried to i had to buy the half point though and get get him a plus three i just don't trust the lakers uh the lakers are 25 and 20 24 and 29 against the spread. Obviously, the Westbrook experiment was a disaster. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe the, you know, it's ironic. Maybe we'll see uh, Westbrook and Randall, uh, you know, swap places here, and uh, we'll see Westbrook in New York one day soon. So the dog is um, to play. Yeah. So okay. Good. So so all right. We're, we're we 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 lean a few different games on the slate in the same direction, which is which is great. Um, just out of curiosity, have you placed any bets yet for the Super Bowl? 
No, I haven't. Um, I know that you talk about a lot of prep bets. It's so much work to do, um, and it's so overwhelming that uh, I've taken a look at a couple of them, but uh, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Um, and, what, are you, you know, what are you saying, Joe? I have no life? Is that what you're saying, Joe, in a roundabout way? I'm saying you're the hardest. I think you should get a raise. That's what I'm saying. You are, People realize that. <laughs> Everyone calls me up and asks me about prop bets. I'm like, just tune into Anita. She does all the work for me, and I can just sit there and listen because it is a full-time job just doing the uh, fantasy stuff that you do and the prop bets that you do, and I know you're very successful at them. So um, I generally don't participate much in them. I'm going to be totally candid because I'd rather concentrate on the game. Uh, you know, it's going to be a great game, and uh, next week I'm sure we'll talk about it. I mean, the line is at four. We see some four and a halfs out there. The total's at 48. Um, but, you know, Bengals have covered seven straight, and, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, – be. A, I think it's going to be a good game, that's for sure. And uh, it's the first time since 1990 that we haven't seen uh, one of the top two seeds in the in the uh, big game. Uh, these two seeds are both number fours. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about Cup having a big game. I've seen a lot of prop bets favoring him, and I kind of lean that way with a couple of them here. But um, I am going to just focus on that. You know, on Super Bowl Sunday, to be honest with you, I'll probably have more action on a basketball game than I will on the Super Bowl. Um, that's just the way uh, my business is structured. But Cooper Cup at plus 600 to be the MVP was one of them. And even Joe Burrow. If somehow Joe Burrow and the Bengals pull up the upset over the Rams, he's probably going to be the key guy um, getting it to somebody. And you, if you think the Bengals have a shot of winning outright, you can get him a plus 225. We know Mattress Mack made that big $4 million bet Anita on a money line to get back $7 million. But he's hedging with some mattresses. We know that. That's for sure. Um <laughs> You know, only one time in the history of the Super Bowl has an MVP been appointed, voted on, on the losing team. Just yes, uh, so that's why I said if you think the Bengals are going to pull the upset, um, you know, then you're going to get some good value at the, on the money line. If those of you that are thinking your money line on Bengals, you'll get them almost plus 180. Um, you got, uh, and then on the other hand, you know, if you think the Rams are going to win, Cooper Cup is probably going to be very instrumental in that part of it. And if he's the MVP at plus 600, uh, you know, stuff like that. So um, I think those sides are, are, are some of the prop bets that I looked at. But I know there's a lot of pro, uh, player props I was listening to you last night and again this morning uh, this afternoon and there's so many of them out there. You have to be careful because you know that's the problem we talk about having discipline. On Super Bowl Sunday people are going to have 10 or 12 prop bets and they're going to have the whole bankroll in action and then you know they have to wait till the game's over and see what they want to be look at the you know see who won and who lost and well, it makes it exciting but uh, it's a lot of action going on. Yeah I mean it's a lot of action but that's again as you said it's, it's the price for admission right like that's that's why you gamble is uh, is is so that watching the game there's more excitement in watching the game um and it's really important again i, I hosted week and wager last night and that show is out on podcast form you can listen to it on 98.7 espn on the website as well as it's uh, it's it's on my twitter account but it's really important to point out if you jump on these lines right now which i'm sure a few of them have changed already from uh, when i first placed them early on uh, they're going to change throughout the course of the week. As more and more bets come in on the Super Bowl, the lines are going to change. And you want to stay like, so for example, and I, I shared this on the show last night, and that is, you know, right now Odell Beckham Jr.'s receptions are five and a half, over under five and a half, which means he has to have six receptions in order for you to win that bet. I have a feeling that that's going to continue, to, the bet, the over is going to continue to be bet. Therefore, I wouldn't be surprised if a uh, kickoff, that that line goes up to six and a half. And if it does, then I'm taking the under. 
Like to me, I'm not like interesting unless unless it, unless it's Cooper Cup, <laughs> you know, who in any given game can have nine receptions for 250 yards and two touchdowns. Unless it's Cooper Cup, no, I I, I would not play the over of six and a half receptions uh, with with any other wide receiver. That's for sure. So you know, just yeah, just Beckham, keep that... Beckham's a little bit of a risky Beckham's a little bit of a risky proposition, and I agree. You know, a lot of the you got to get good value whether you're betting the mm-hmm. game. A lot of times when there's small favorites in games, whether it's basketball or football, I always emphasize to people to do the money line. Sometimes I don't like to get burnt by the hook uh, and stuff like that as well, half points. And I notice that a lot of people that are tuning in and listening into our shows, your show and my show as well, that will be on tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. There's a lot of new people out there in the, uh, in the now that sports betting is legal in the state of New York. A lot of new people listening to the shows. And, you know, we just try and encourage people to be uh, smart and, uh, you know, shop around. I know you do. We, we always look for the best numbers, like being at the supermarket or even being at the gasoline station, you want to get the cheapest price you can possibly get. And when it comes to spreads, those half points make a big difference that could determine the success of how well you do overall for the whole season. Absolutely. You know, I was at the supermarket the other day or I bought a bag of pistachios. They were $12. I was like, what? Pistachios? Joe, $12. I was, yeah, that's my I favorite, was, pistachios and a nice glass of wine. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, 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 a pretty, uh, that's a pretty good one. But, yeah, shopping around, I use that analogy. I always tell people, hey, listen, when you're betting, just make sure you get great value. Don't get burnt by the hook. And uh, people have to understand that. And uh, hopefully when they listen to your show, since you have a lot more time on the air, you have the ability to talk to people about the prop bets and, uh, you know, make sure that they make the wise decisions because it becomes overwhelming if people don't pay attention and start betting too many bets um so always look for the best number and that's why and i like playing underdogs i never like playing big favorites in any sport whether it's football or basketball i emphasize that to people anything over 10 points in any event i either play the dog or I pass it's just basic fundamentals um you don't have to play every game if it's a big spread just stay away from it you're listening to anita marks on 98.7 espn